Hello and welcome to the British English Podcast, the podcast that exposes you to culture and language all in one. I'm Charlie Baxter, your host, and today we're joined by Lindsay McMahon, who is the co-host of All Ears English. The All Ears English Podcast has 1.3 million followers on Apple Podcasts and Spotify globally and has been ranked in Best of Apple Podcasts categories in 2018 and 2019, as well as number one in US education language courses. Not only that, but Lindsay and her team have been featured in podcast magazine, language magazine, and Forbes. But aside from all of those signs of success, Lindsay's passion for language and travel makes her the perfect companion today as we will be tucking into another episode of the incredibly well-known podcast game show that has taken the world by storm called Off the Beaten Track. If for some reason you aren't aware of the concept, then I will explain. But first, let's check in with the woman of the hour. Lindsay, how are you doing today? Hi, Charlie. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk about travel with a fellow traveler. So ready to get into it. Nice, nice. And you've just come from somewhere travelly, haven't you? Yes, I was in Portugal around uh, Thanksgiving time, November of 2023. So just fresh off a trip and there's nothing like that feeling, right? When you've come back, especially an international trip, your mind's been opened again uh, and it just feels good. Feels good. Yeah. I, I've heard that they are now accepting digital nomad visas for British people because of Brexit. It's it's changed things for us. I heard we that can't easily. Too. Yeah. Any experience yeah. with that? Yeah, no, I mean, I have not done it myself, but I think that would be a nice place to live as a digital nomad. It seems like a seems like a good life. Yeah. Was the climate good when you were there? It was actually beautiful. We got lucky. Uh, it was amazing. The week before we were there was a disaster, total <laughs> rain. <laughs> but for some reason, we got lucky and just sunshine every day. Uh, we did a wine tour, just exactly what you want on a wine tour sunshine and blue sky. So yeah, it was a dream. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, yeah. um, today's episode is about your travel fantasy. So we might be okay. pulling from that trip. Who knows? We'll, we'll see. But um, yeah, we're going to be planning Lindsay's ideal holiday or adventure um, as if there were no limitations. Um, you can think of me as a travel genie rather than a travel <laughs> agent. Um, and who knows, um, you know, you and I are from two different English speaking cultures. So we might stumble upon some cultural differences whilst we carve this itinerary out. For example, a travel agent. Is that a thing still for you? Do you go to a oh, travel agent? I'm sorry to say it's not. Uh, the last time I went to a travel agent was 2004. Five or six when I was planning my trip in South America. Uh, STA Travel had a thing called the Blue Ticket, which was an amazing deal. You could have a year of travel for about $800 and have as many flights as you wanted within South America. It was just incredible. I don't wow. even know why that existed, but it did if you were under 26. And that's insane. I went for it. <laughs> yeah, that's really yeah. good. I used STA Travel once. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's a student yeah. travel company, right? 
Isn't Student it? Travel Association. Yeah. I remember walking yeah. in. I lived in New York at the time, walking into their office in the Lower East Side. And that is the last time that I ever sat in a travel agency office. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, my father yeah. uses travel agents all the time still. It, it amuses me. But actually, I have been putting off planning our honeymoon for a while. And I'd quite like a travel agent to do it. Yeah. You know, I think they're kind of hybrids now. So for example, when we did our honeymoon in Argentina, we did the Torres del Paine uh, National Park. It's actually in Chile, technically. That is very hard to book those huts because they're in the middle of nowhere. We hired a company called Pygmy Elephant. They're based in the US, but they have very close ties to this particular travel route. And we had our bookings selected for, created for us. Otherwise, we would have shown up. There's like 15 spots in the entire park and you're out in the wind and you're, you're in trouble. So there are places for travel agents now still, I think. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that sounds like a really cool trip. And it, again, it might be part of your um, ideal one. So let's kick <laughs> off um, with a bit more about where you've been outside of those two that you've mentioned, Portugal and well, Argentina. Did you cross over to Chile? Yeah, technically the park is in Chile. So uh-huh. parts of, you know, there are other beautiful things to see in the south of Argentina too. So Patagonia is kind of southern Chile and southern Argentina. So Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you've done those. Um Yes. Where else would you would you feel like you need to explain to the listener that you've experienced <laughs> in the world? I think the biggest ones are living abroad, right? Because that's where you really feel like you've been impacted. You've changed your lifestyle. You've changed your daily life. <clears throat> so Japan, I lived in Tokyo for a year and a uh, half. Okay. Oh, nice. And yeah. And then I traveled through Southeast Asia after that for a couple of months. And then the other big life abroad adventure was backpacking slash living in South America for about a year where I mostly did a month in each country and then kind of parked parked myself in Buenos Aires, Argentina for three months and Guatemala for three months. And then the rest was overland travel, buses, hostels, backpacking, the whole deal. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Starting to get a feel for what you might like. Assuming you liked them. <laughs> Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are moments that I hated, right? I mean, it was, it was kind of an angsty time in my life in my twenties. I was trying to figure out a lot of things about myself. So there were hard moments in that trip, but, uh, it certainly helped me to become fluent in Spanish and just have an experience that I feel like is great to have when you're, when you're in your mid twenties, you just don't know what you want from life quite yet. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool though, that you were able to develop your Spanish at the same time. That's, that's lovely. Um, okay. Okay. And where, um, for the listeners, where are you, where would you say that your identity is in the world? Where would you say that you've grown up? Yeah. So I'm from the U S I grew up on the East coast, nor I'd say the Northeast. So New Hampshire. And then I lived in New York and Boston for a number of years. So I'm kind of an East coast girl, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) New England, Northeast. Yeah. 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 Did you ever do family holidays when you were like a teenager? Yeah, we used to go sometimes to bigger cities. So I grew up in a small town and that's part of why, I think that's part of why I do what I do, why I traveled. I was so, it felt kind of sheltered at times. And my parents took us to the cities, took us to New York, to 
plays and things like that. But it was just a hint of that. When I would go to New York from my little town, I would think, oh my gosh, this is incredible. There's this whole huge world. And so as soon as I uh, finished college, I went to college in Virginia. And then I said, I need to see the world. So typical story, growing up in a small town, but feeling you need to see more. You need to do more. Yes. And so okay. that's what drove me to travel. Yes. And those um, moments going through South America, they were significant for you. Like you, you said that you were in a moment of angst and figuring things out. Did, did you figure things out there and then? <laughs> I would say so. Yeah. I would say I did. Yeah. And part of that is just like in the movement, right? Meaning who you meet, the conversations you have, what you see, there's just time to think. Yes. And it's not a specific answer that I came to. It's not that simple, right? It's kind yeah. of working through becoming the person you want to become in a way. Yes. Not to get we too existential here. <laughs> but we, we have a cliche, don't we, of I found myself when you go yeah. traveling. Yeah. I'm not are sure you, if I would are... say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I see the, I, I, I think it, it helped me because I went to Chile and I did yeah. like a year there. Yeah. Ooh. I didn't know that. Cool. Yeah. And did Bolivia and Peru. And that really helped me. I think it was more the fact that you're out away from your comforts and you're challenged with yes. new people around you and you're just figuring out what you can do and what you're capable of. And then you come yes. away from that thinking that you can achieve so much more because you've done that. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, and how was Guatemala? Was that, did you say you were living with people? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I turned up in Guatemala. It was the end of my year. And I thought one of my goals for this year was to become fluent in Spanish. However, I had been traveling with a friend who was from Spain. And so traveling throughout South America, I had a bit of a crush, a, a, a crutch rather. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I had a crush and a crutch. <laughs> Did you have a crush? Let's talk about that crush. <laughs> a little slip there. No. Um, so, you know, the person I was traveling with did all the speaking. And so uh, it was really the two events that got me to turn over into becoming more fluent was number one, living in a international house in Buenos Aires. It was a Spanish only house. So I found it on Craigslist. I had six or seven roommates, two Italians, two French people, one other American and one Argentine, but the rule of the house was only Spanish. No matter what language you speak, only Spanish. So we would eat dinner together, the Italians would cook, and we would just speak Spanish, go out together. That was it. That helped me for three months to really immerse myself. Okay. And then at the end of the trip, it was Guatemala. I turned up in Quetzaltenango, and I was looking for a project where I could fully immerse myself. And Quetzaltenango felt a little too touristy. So I said, I'm just going to go to another town. So I ended up in Totonicapan, which is a small town half an hour outside of Quetzaltenango, Sheila, uh, and found an organization to work with. And it was heart... I mean, don't get me wrong. Part of it was heartbreaking as well. There's a lot of poverty where I was living. I lived with a family um, and taught in the kids' school and did some volunteer work with the organization, uh, just supporting the community in that town. But it was a real small town experience. So everything was in Spanish, a different kind of Spanish than Argentine Spanish, but yeah. Spanish all, all the same. So Beautiful, beautiful. I can imagine that being a very enriching experience. Um, okay, yeah. so you did that. Okay, I'm trying to guess where you might go now. 
All right, so let's let's do the first question of this game off the beaten track. How would you like to start your trip? Are you going to use a travel agent? Are you going to be blindfolded and surprised? Are you going to research it yourself? How, how are you starting this? Um, I would. I think the. I'm not a bit. I'm not very good at planning trips. So, I think having more time and less planning would be better. So, if I could choose this trip to be, I would like this to be a three month trip. Um, and so I have time Ooh. to stumble on not doing a ton of research ahead of time because I'm not good at that. I just want to, I kind of want to turn up, know where I'm staying the first night. And then I want to start talking to people because if I already come into the trip, knowing what I'm going to do, what is there to discover? Right. Uh-huh. So I'd like nice. to be able to go to locals and say, Hey, I know where tourists go to do X, Y, Z, like to drink tea. Where do you go? And, yes. you know, can I go with you or <laughs> no. uh, yes. you know, what do you recommend? Where did you go yesterday? So, are you, yeah. Are you finding that harder and harder as it, as the world globalizes and we've got internet for everything? Are you finding that yeah, harder to achieve that kind of surprise, spontaneity, spontaneous trip, I should say? Yeah. I, yeah, I would say it can be, um, you know, the travel that I've done in the last five years with my partner, we've been to places like Cambodia, Argentina, Nicaragua, uh, Egypt. Those have been, you know, real. I'm in my career now. I'm working, I'm living in Denver, and we've only had two weeks at a time or three weeks. So it hasn't been the kind of travel I did in my 20s, which was get off the plane, you know, figure it out as you go along. So maybe that's just different life stages. But yeah, I think we spent a lot of time with our heads and our phones. We know exactly where we where that place is. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of cool that we can go to Google Maps and say, show me a coffee shop. And then I can check the ratings. And it doesn't have to be a tourist because it's going to turn up on the map. Anything, Anything's going to turn up on the map where locals that's go tr- to. So yes, yes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, this yeah. swings in roundabouts. I just feel like a lot of things are needed to be booked now. And if you turn up trying to just wing it, it's harder mm. than it used to be because so many people it, are, well, is it that so many people are traveling? I don't think that's, is that true? I think there's a resurgence of travel post pandemic for sure. Yeah. I don't know, Charlie, that's a good question. If I think, I think it's just the internet is allowing people to book everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, also that I don't stay I'm not against them. I, I like small, like local guest houses, but I don't stay in like the dorm style hostels anymore. And I don't know if in my twenties, I don't know if you ever could even book those at all it, other than yeah. turning up. Right. right, right, right. Yeah. And, and those, those hostels, I, I had to book one when we did the East coast of Australia for one night, I struggled to find a single place 48 hours before. Like we had to book uh, about a week before. Interesting. Mm. That's the one problem with uh, travel is accommodations, being uncertain about where you're going to stay. When I hiked the Camino de Santiago in 2010, it was uh, the ideal trip. And that's getting close to what I want to do is this trip I want to plan. It was just unbelievable. But the one problem was that You'd hear, you'd be walking, you're getting up at 5 a.m., you're doing your daily hike, the 10 miles further towards Santiago de Compostela, and you hear, there's no beds in XYZ town, and you start to panic because you're on foot, you can't make a reservation. And so you start running, 
And now your you, day. Physically, you're, you're running the whole day. Maybe just moving faster. Maybe skipping your coffee break, which is such a cool thing about well, the Camino because you can what, sit down for a coffee. Oh, so you're trying to beat the people that you were staying with I mean, the night before. I mean, not literally trying to beat them, but you're just trying to get that <laughs> bed, right? And there were people that sometimes had to walk, you know, 30 kilometers past that <sighs> town onto the next one because there was no accommodation. So what I'm saying is it's a bummer that like sometimes our travel has to be guided around where we're going to stay because that we lose the spontaneity. Yes. Yes. Have you ever done like a camper van holiday? That is something I have not done outside of the U.S. I've done like a, a road trip, multiple road trips in my own car or SUV, but haven't yeah. done that style outside of the U.S. yet. I would okay. like to. Yeah, I can imagine you loving van life. Would you like van yeah, life? Yeah, for sure. Yeah? Yeah, I would like to try it. I would like yeah. to try it. Okay. Um, all right. So let's get a bit of uh, tangible uh, imagination around this, if we can even say that. What's your What's your dream destination, and what draws you to that place? Okay. So I just I think definitely India. I mean, India is such a huge country. I've never been there, and I feel like it's this place I have to see. Um, I might love it. I might hate it. It might be both that end up happening. But I need to see India. Be before you know i turn 60 or 50 i just need to see it yeah yeah i i agree i agree are you taking anyone with you on this trip <laughs> no i'm going solo charlie going solo. i'm going solo because i love traveling with my partner i love traveling i don't love traveling in groups any more than one travel partner sometimes i like to do like a couple's weekend away that can be fun with four but my best experiences traveling have been solo because you're never solo. You're always meeting people, right? You're never, <laughs> that's you're the never idea. alone. You, that's the idea. I mean, sometimes you hope so. Not. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. yeah, sometimes not. Oh, there are lonely moments. <laughs> or you feel like you're trying to start conversations and you feel like people are walking away from you. Um, yeah. But I've just made great friends just being open to meeting people along the way. Yeah, that is true. When you go solo, you do make more friends because you have to. And people, I, I, do you reckon it's because people see you as a bit more vulnerable and they're like willing yeah. to take you in? Whereas with a yeah. group, it's like, well, he wants to I be also on his think, own. Yeah. I think it's that, but I also think it's your own orientation to your pl your location, right? So when I am with my partner or if I'm with a, another couple, the four of us, we're so we're creating our own world. Yeah. And so it's both. Yeah, I can see that. Um, okay. So you're going alone and you're going to India. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I feel like I need to flex my travel genie muscles here. Limber okay. up um, to whisk <laughs> you off there. Um, where would you, where would you choose to stay during this adventure? Is it like a, a, a resort no. or a, a, a cabin? What, what kind of thing? I'm not a resort person. No, not a fan. Not a fan. Didn't think you would. No. Be. I mean, do you, do you despise cruise ships? Oh God. I absolutely despise the idea. I've never been on a cruise, but I did go to a place, my trip to Egypt that felt like a cruise on the Red Sea, which the Red Sea is beautiful, beautiful. But we had a little joke and we'd say cruisers dinner time. <laughs> like we, <laughs> it wasn't a cruise, but it felt like a cruise. The food was bad. <sighs> Uh, uh, it was, <laughs> so I'm not a crew now. I mean, no. maybe if I have yeah. kids in the future, maybe we'll end up on a cruise, but I would fight against it. Yeah. 
I've not done one. I'd like to do one just to see whether yeah. I hate it or like it. Because yeah, there's some there's judge. some things yeah. about it that intrigue me, sure. but there's most of it makes me cringe. So I'm of course, especially if yeah. you have. I mean, I I won't lie. I have a bit of my identity resting in and my pride resting in how I lived in my twenties, the traveling I did, ah. and so when we think about flipping over into cruises, that tends to you know comes after my my pride, I guess. Yes, uh, yes. But, but th- th- I, yeah. this is interesting. So when you were in your twenties, I think you were much more willing to do uncomfortable things like sleeping rough, True. not rough, yes. but, you know, sleeping in a yes. bad situation. Dorm style. Hostels. Now, yes. now we're a bit older. I'm, I'm yes. thinking, do I need to take my pillow? <laughs> so, <laughs> I, know. Like, I know. Do you have these creature comforts that you need? Oh yeah. You can't avoid it. You can't avoid it. This just, it just comes into your life as you get older, your requirements change. But the difference for me, when we travel, when I travel with my partner, we like to mix it up. Like we'll do, we don't do dorm style hostels. So I'm just not going to do that again. Okay. But we might do like a small guest house and then do a bigger hotel. Not like the Marriott's. I stay away from the chains because mm-hmm. I can go to a Marriott in New York, right? Sure. I don't need to go to one in India. Um, and then mix it up. Maybe do I did a little couch surfing in my in my 30s around the US actually, which I hope it I'm not sure if it still exists. I hope it does. Really cool experience. Yeah, yeah. I've I've I haven't personally done it, but I've been to what I thought was a meetup for kite surfers. Kite surfers, <laughs> kite surfers or couch surfers? <laughs> I we went thinking these guys are cool. Kite surfers. And then it That's was a couch hilarious. surfing meetup. I love that story. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I think it was in Spain. I can't remember where it was. Maybe. Oh, but yeah, God. it was quite the shock for us. Um, so not as uh, interesting, but it's a cool idea and it's a yeah company worth sourcing if if you don't know about it, guys. Um, that's if it does exist still. Uh, so, you can, okay, you've done couch surfing in your 30s. That's respectable. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I took a cross-country road trip around the U.S. and filmed actually the course that we still have available for students now, the Connected Communicator. And I actually couch surfed. Probably a third of that trip was just couch surfing, and then it was camping. Uh Ah, okay. So are are you going to be – I don't know if we've talked about what you're actually going to be staying in. Are you camping? Yeah, so let's come back to the – So, yeah, so this India trip, I think I will be – some maybe like staying in huts, that kind of thing. Okay. I would like it to be a physical. So what I love, if we're going to design a trip, it should have physical activity combined with good conversation and connection and some kind of challenge or project or goal. Like I just, right. I don't want to just bounce okay. around and just be a tourist, right? So I'm either yeah. trying to learn the language or I'm interviewing people in some way for a project. That's where I've found my most rewarding or I'm trying uh-huh. to get somewhere. It could be as simple as this is a 500 mile journey, like the Camino. Right. I'm just trying to get to the end. Yeah. Have uh, you ever sat in a hammock and read a book? <laughs> I have, but I get bored after about 45 minutes. So, <laughs> I mean, it's 45 minutes—that's that's a nice amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Would, yeah. would you include that chapters. in in this trip? Would you take a book? It's all about counterbalance. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so you have your hammock in your backpack, set it up after a day of hiking. <laughs> How heavy nice. is this thing going to be? Yeah. Well, I can make it as light as you want. Don't worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, uh, so you're going alone, you're going to India, you're living in huts and you're doing something challenging, something. Yeah, um, probably in the yeah. north, probably hiking the north. You know, um, I also I've spent a lot of time studying meditation in the last 15 years, studying Buddhism. Uh, I don't know if I would call myself a Buddhist. I don't love the ists and the isms, mm. but uh, I study it and I sit with a group every other week and like it's a big part of my life. And there's a lot of Buddhism originated in India and there's a lot of history there that I'd like to visit those sites. So that's yeah. a thing. Yeah I, yeah, I can see that. That's a nice way of putting it. I don't like an ist or an ism. How did you say it again? I don't like the ists or the isms. I don't like, I think with when it comes to mindfulness practice, it's really not about being Buddhist or being of any kind of religion. It's about finding peace within the mind. And so especially that kind of practice does not lend itself to ideas of religion quite so much. It's more about a daily practice. So I couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's move on to how you're traveling. What kind of transport are you going to be taking? Are you hiking boots? Are you going to be going on foot like you're, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm designing my dream trip here, right? So how are you <laughs> as in to India? No, I'm not going, not, not hiking to <laughs> India. I'm flying to India. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> just checking. Just checking. <laughs> that would be kind of okay. wild. Okay. No, You're flying? Flying there. Flying there, probably into Delhi or Mumbai, checking out the cities. Then I'm taking a train to the north and hopefully I, I think there might be some hiking paths or some pilgrimages that you can do up there. I haven't done a lot of research yet. Okay. But if we have to make it that that specific, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Nice. We will leave it there for part one of today's episode. Thank you very much for listening up to this point. If you did want to listen to part two and part three of this conversation, then you can head over to the BritishEnglishPodcast.com and check out the premium podcast or academy memberships. I also highly encourage you to check out the podcast Lindsay does, which is called All Ears English, as their philosophy is connection, not perfection. Lovely. I like that. And they publish four episodes a week. So plenty of episodes to binge through there. But if you were just here for part one of this conversation, then I thank you very much for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed the show. Do grab that free worksheet by clicking the link in the show notes. My name's Charlie and I will see you next week on the British English Podcast. <laughs>